You're listening to the Wellness Kachina Podcast, where I give you tips and tricks about getting your family involved in the kitchen and making delicious and nutritious meals with ease. I'm Celestina, a chef, registered dietitian nutritionist, and a lover of good food, especially pizza. Thanks for tuning in to Wellness Kachina's first episode. I am Celestina, your host and guide to navigating cooking as a family, getting kids involved, and exposed to new foods. So since this is the first episode, I'd like to take a little bit of time to share just a bit about myself and how growing up in the kitchen has shaped me. So growing up, I lived in a two-family house. My grandparents lived downstairs, and my parents would work pretty late. So I would watch my nonna, my grandmother, um, cook, and a lot of the times she just let me watch. It wasn't very hands-on with her, which was totally fine. She told me the stories and like the history behind the foods that she was making, and I had a better understanding of the region where she grew up and the reasoning that they utilize like the whole pig, for example, and like every portion of the pig, because it was so important during that time period um, when she was growing up in the late thirties and early forties that you use the whole animal and the whole vegetable. And it just, the food comes together so much more dimensionally when you're using all of that. So I think having that historical aspect of it was super, super cool. But again, she didn't really let me be as hands-on as my parents did. So from her, I kind of just watched the techniques and saw the dishes come together, which I think was still really beneficial. But then when I was working with my parents or when they would allow me to cook with them, they allowed me to be a lot more hands-on. So when I was at the stove with them, they'd let me stand on one of the chairs and allow me to like flip vegetables and cook them and saute them. And that was more hands-on for me than I had experienced with watching my grandmother cook. So that was a whole new world for me. As I got older, they allowed me to do a little bit more. So like chopping things, just prepping in a lot of different ways, setting the table. So literally during like every dining experience that we had, especially when we were eating as a family, not every night, but when when we were all home and we could eat together, I would set the table or they would encourage me at least to set the table. Um, and kind of portion things out. So I think having just some aspect of being involved in the process is gonna be really important. I was also always encouraged to try new foods and maybe I didn't like them the first time, but they were always there to be offered. And I think that's also really important if you have either a very picky eater at home or just a non-adventurous eater. That's okay. As long as you continue to offer some of these foods that you want your child to eventually enjoy, that exposure about eight or 10 times, sometimes even more than that, can be what they need to just try these foods and then eventually enjoy them. So don't expect it to happen overnight, um, but encouraging your kids to try new foods can be really impactful. Also modeling that behavior. So showing them that you're enjoying that food. I feel like you can't just expect someone to enjoy green beans if you have a sour face on every time you you try and eat green beans. But on the contrary, if you're eating, I don't know, like a take and bake pizza and you have a smile on your face and this is like happy food, it can kind of change the dimension of that. So I think having a positive outlook on all fruits, all veggies, all quality proteins, whether it be vegetarian-based proteins or animal-based proteins, or really any food in general, just having a positive outlook on it when you're eating it, like your kids notice that. So I think that's really important as well. I touched briefly on family meals and I mentioned that like not every night was necessarily a family meal. 
sometimes my parents worked super late and we just grabbed pizza and that's the reality of it. And I understand that that's the reality of it sometimes as well, but it wasn't the norm. So when we did have family meals, uh, I always sat down with my grandparents because they did live downstairs. So if my parents did come home late from work, we always had a family meal. It was me, my no, 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 no. And that was like family style. So it allowed me to choose how much I wanted. Um, and I think that's really important, especially when your kids come to that age where they can determine how much is going to be a portion size for them. And if they want to go back for seconds, cool. But I think putting some of that control into their hands can be really impactful as well. That kind of leads into the decision-making process of giving them some power to, to make those decisions for themselves. And empowerment, especially when it comes to food, can be really important. And then family meals with my parents, again, setting the table, kind of going through that ritualistic experience of talking about your day, I think can be really impactful as well because that's, that's kind of the time where we all reflect on our days together. Um, and it's really important to do it at the dining room table or just some type of table where you're making face-to-face contact. I didn't have a phone back in the day, but making sure phones are silenced away, um, not at the table, the table should be really a family time to kind of just come together all social distractions off so again no phone no tv whatever that may look like and just actually having a conversation uh, which i know is kind of rare in in our society these days having face-to-face conversations isn't the norm and having conversations via text and video chat is kind of the norm but if we can just bring family meals back to the table and just kind of enjoy each other's company and have an actual discussion, that can be huge, not just in encouraging your family to eat well, but in so many different aspects of life as well. So we're going to dive way deeper into all of these topics in the future. And I've already gotten so many good, so many good topic ideas from current parents and other families who just want a a little bit of help and a little bit of tweaking in the kitchen. So I'm excited to talk about all of those future topics as well. But what I've talked about thus far can all contribute to a really good eater and a child growing into an adult who not only appreciates food, but enjoys a wide variety of fruits. Like I said, veggies, fruits, um, animal and and vegetarian sources of protein, and so much more. Really being able to figure out that balance that's going to work best for them as well. But for right now, um, we're going to talk about different learning styles and just kind of the basics on getting kids involved in the kitchen. There was actually a study out of the University of Alberta in Canada that looked at 151 children, and they noticed that those who helped with meal prep um, in any way, shape, or form, so it could have been from daily meal preparation to maybe like making their lunches um, to just helping out a couple of times a week to helping out maybe just a couple of times a month to those who didn't help out at all. So those who actually helped out with meal preparation showed a 10% higher preference towards vegetables than those who didn't help out in the kitchen. And I've seen this, again, not just in this study, but in other families that I've worked with. When children help out in the kitchen through some aspect of the cooking process, whether it be meal planning, to going food shopping and exploring new foods, to the actual preparation and cooking, or just to serving um, and being able to serve the family and themselves, they're going to be more apt to try these new foods because they were part of the process. So being part of the process in any way, shape, or form can encourage kids to be a little bit more active in trying new fruits, veggies, maybe proteins that they've been hesitant to try in the past. So just some basics on being a part of the process 
it can be very different from child to child obviously, right? So I think focusing in on your child's learning style can be really important. And we're going to focus in on three today. So auditory learning, kinesthetic learning, and visual learning. And yes, there are a ton more different types of learning styles than this. But in the kitchen, I think these are going to be the three most important ways that people are going to learn. So if your child is an auditory learner, you want to provide step-by-step -step instructions. So verbally explaining what you're doing as you're showing a demonstration. If your child is a kinesthetic learner, you want to allow him or her to do the task physically after you've demonstrated it so that they can get their hands in it and really learn that way. If your child is a visual learner, you want to demonstrate the process to them from start to finish so that they can see what the beginning product looks like and what the end product looks like. At this point, your child may or may not want to be hands-on in all tasks, and that's totally fine. But exposing them to the steps that actually go into a meal can be extremely impactful just within itself. So they're able to see the time, effort, and love that goes into each meal. Again, from the whole planning, shopping, and whatnot process. And remember that having your family in the kitchen may be more con time consuming, truthfully. And your children may not complete the tasks as quickly as you may, or as quickly as you'd like, but this kind of breaks down to quality time together. So going back to the story of me sitting in my nonna's kitchen, it was the quality time that I was experiencing with her. So learning those stories. So maybe sharing some stories from when you were a kid and maybe you cooked with your parents, maybe you didn't, but just sharing some of those stories and, and having that time to reflect can be a really good way to foster those bonds as well. I've experienced it and I know so many other people have out there as well, but there are long-lasting memories that are made when families are together, learning and experiencing new things. So spending time in the kitchen and at the table will not only create a better eater in your child, but it will also foster really good habits around food and eating for the future. So who knows, investing some time in your family's culinary knowledge while your kids are young may prove to be really beneficial down the road when your kids are teenagers, and that means that they can cook meals for you. So invest in your future by investing in their future and some, some family time together. Three main takeaways. One, model the behavior you want your child or children to emulate. Two, understand the way your child or children learn best and be sure to use that knowledge when you're cooking together. Three, it may be more time consuming to have your child or children help, but remember that cooking together can be really quality family time. Thank you guys so much for listening. Reach out via email at cbrunettiwellness at gmail.com to leave comments, comment on some show topics that you'd like to hear in the future, or to just say hey. Check out Wellness Cucina's Instagram at chef underscore rdn for cooking tips, recipes, and IGTV videos that are going to relate to the podcasts in the future. If you're interested in learning more about how your family can build stronger bonds while gaining kitchen confidence, schedule a complimentary call. The link is going to be in the show notes. Tune in next week when we'll be using canned goods and fresh produce to make a hearty salad.